Initially, the COVID-19 virus was identified mainly by fever, cough, and difficulty breathing. But then headache became a dominant symptom. And for many patients, their headache pain lingers long after they've overcome the virus. Welcome to Novant Health Healthy Headlines. I'm Gina DiPietro. In this episode, Dr. Megan Donnelly, a Novant Health women's neurologist and headache specialist, talks to Cliff Mertens about what a COVID-19-induced headache feels like and how doctors are treating that new wrinkle. She also offers some tips on what you can do to reduce stress, which can often trigger migraine headaches. Thank you for listening. What is the connection between migraines, COVID-19, or just is it a thing? Yes, so it is. So um, interestingly, there are multiple neurologic manifestations of COVID. Um, In terms of more ominous things, there's encephalitis, seizures, um, increased risk of stroke, increased risk of cerebral venous thrombosis, um, hemorrhagic encephalitis. Uh, There's a lot of things that we've been seeing, along with um, even things like transverse myelitis, um, a condition called ADEM, and um, other acute demyelinating disease that looks like a new onset, really kind of florid multiple sclerosis attack. Um, and things like Guillain-Barre, which we've seen with other um, viruses as well. But this one is behaving very differently than a lot of other viruses in the past. And one of the thoughts is that it appears that one of the very first symptoms that people have, even before they develop cough, is they will first get anosmia, which is lack of sense of smell, Um, And then they can get, if they're going to get headache, they can get really bad headache at that time. And then sometimes cough doesn't even come until another couple of days later. So um, there's theory that this, this anosmia is actually due to the virus um, crossing over and invading the cribriform plate. And so that that's the initial neurologic manifestation um, because that's your olfactory bulb, uh, which part of your, (laughs) that's what your, one of your cranial nerves. Um, so from a headache perspective, yes, this, this has actually been found to be one of the presenting symptoms of COVID. Um, so when I'm seeing somebody who, uh, by the time they're, I, I'm seeing them, oftentimes they've already been diagnosed with COVID and I'm seeing them for their headache. Um, either they're in, you know, we have a local virtual hospital. So patients would be at home in virtual hospital, but then doing video visits with me. And that's been, speaking of being able to, offer video visits, it has been a wonderful resource for these patients to be able to have video visits while they're sick, while they're at home, but still get acute and adequate quality neurologic recommendation and care while they're at home and not be told, oh, well, you're you're sick right now. Nobody can see you right now. Um, And so I'm seeing them while they're actively sick and I'm seeing also patients in follow-up, you know, two weeks, month later um, after they've recovered Um, from COVID, but they're still having post-COVID headache. Um, What it's presenting as is mostly kind of whole head, severe pressure pain. So it's presenting differently than that of migraine, which by definition is, um, this is International Classification of Headache Disorders 3 criteria for migraine, which is unilateral throbbing with sensitivity to light or sound um, or nausea. And this is more of a whole head pressure presentation. Um, 
And so, so with this, the, one of the concerns, obviously I have to rule out and make sure I'm not missing one of the more ominous conditions. And so I, I oftentimes order imaging on these patients and I'll get an MRI, make sure that they're, we're not seeing stroke or encephalitis. And I'm getting venous imaging to make sure I'm not missing a um, venous clot, which is called a cerebral venous thrombosis. The reason for that is these patients are quite hypercoagulable from COVID. Um, and so, so because we know these patients are hypercoagulable, I'm following current guidelines, which are ever-changing. And one of those things is starting them if they're actively sick with COVID on aspirin therapy based on this recommendation to help decrease their risk of being hypercoagulable. Um, and then managing their head pain and the ways that we do that. Um, and this is unpublished data, but this is what's coming out of New York where obviously they had their surge before we did. And so we're getting some really helpful info on that. Um, but they're using gabapentin as one of the preventative treatments for this. Um, we're in the process right now of um, writing up um, a case series of all of our patients from around the country um, who have who have COVID and headache. Um, so I'm, it's going to be nice when we actually get that published, um, but I think it's going to be a very important piece of, uh, of, of literature for, for everybody who, who sees COVID patients and is treating the, our, our headache patients. Is it still too early in the, in the process of COVID to, I mean, obviously it, 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 you can't do a large study and end up study because it's still fresh and new to, to form any sort of theories or anything. You're, you're sort of like battlefielding it right now, it sounds like, as opposed to we studied this for five years because you haven't had five years. Correct. We've had a couple of months. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so we don't have any randomized controlled trials. What we have are, are um, on the ground, in the battlefield, advice that gabapentin nightly, 300 to 900 milligrams um, each night has looked helpful for these patients who have post-COVID lingering headache, who we know have, at this time, normal resolved brains. So, so we're not seeing strokes, encephalitis, um, clots, or anything. So, so, you know, they're radiographically normal patients. Mm -hmm. um, it looks like gab gabapentin is helpful, but you're right. There isn't anything randomized controlled about it. It's the same way that we're having to do everything with COVID, which is by the seat of our pants. Um, what about migraines and, and triggers? I, I'm guessing a stressful situation like everyone is in probably doesn't help some people who deal with that on a pre-COVID basis too. Just if, if stress triggers them, obviously they have more these days. How do you deal with that? What do you suggest for someone who might be facing that battle? Uh, great question. So, you know, we're, we're all weathering the storm and, and each person is weathering it differently in terms of their degree of stress, their degree of um, outward pressures that they're facing, whether that be um, sick family members, illness themselves, um, financial stressors, et cetera. So, so there, there's a lot that are on people's plates with this. Um, so managing stress levels and, and focusing on mindfulness can be extremely important in that setting um, and recognizing that each person is going to be weathering this differently. Um, I personally, at the beginning of this in March, uh, I was very, very stressed um, just about the pandemic itself. I have several very important family members to me 
who are immune compromised. And so my, my profound level of worry was that beyond a, a normal stressor. I, I recognized in myself that that was toxic stress levels. Um, and I um, started doing um, more practice of yoga and of mindfulness, meditation, deep breathing, because I knew that I needed to, to do that. Sometimes that's not enough though. And so although I think that that's an important first mainstay of, of treatment, um, if it's not enough, then we need to recognize when we need to treat patients with medication and with psychotherapy to help. So if it's really the, the stressors that are going on that are the biggest cause of the uptick of headache, addressing those rather than just throwing more meds at, at, at the headache is going to be extremely important. So as with any health condition, treating the underlying cause of uptick um, is more important than putting a Band-Aid on it. Did, um, I think back, March seems so long ago, uh, was headache uh, an initial symptom? No, this has been- Like runny nose, fever, cough, weren't those the big three? Time, time has shown that to us and we weren't as familiar with those findings initially. Um, where is it headed from here? I mean, do you just, Play it and just, I mean, maintain as, as, as a medical professional, just treat what you see and... and continue, yeah, and continue to evolve and stay up with current therapy, I think is what we're, we're all having to do. And so as small randomized controlled trials come out, as um, more evidence-based practice comes forward, we have to be willing to move with it and willing to drop off therapies that aren't showing to be helpful. And this is where, even when it comes to treatment of the virus itself, things like hydroxychloroquine, et cetera, I'm, I'm not actively treating virus, um, but those who are on the front line of treating the virus itself instead of the headache sequelae like me, um, they're having to evolve and stay up with that. And so if massive trials show that something works, okay, let's change gears and use that. If massive trials are showing that something else doesn't work, okay, let's drop that. Um, medicine at one point historically was not practiced as evidence-based medicine. It was practiced as, um, well, this is just the way it's always been done, so we're going to continue that. Um, and initially, when a new health condition arises, that is what we use. Oh, well, in New York, they're using gabapentin for this, so that's how we're going to do it. That's the phase that we're in right now. That ultimately is not the correct phase, though. The next phase is evidence-based. And right now, we're not in that yet for right. headache management, but we're moving that way very quickly for um, acute treatment of the virus and of the sepsis and everything. Any general tips you would offer to anyone who may be concerned about headaches, if, they, if they've dealt with them before, and you know, in this age of COVID, what they can do to either not have their migraines triggered or what they can do to avoid any sort of headache problems down the road? Um, you know, continuing healthy lifestyle is always going to be one of my top pieces of advice. And so making sure that they are getting enough sleep, um, that they're keeping a routine with their sleep. With loss of regular life activities, like having to leave the house to go to work and things like that for a lot of people who are still working at home, making sure that they maintain a modicum of routine schedule is extremely important. So even if, the, if somebody's at home, I recommend that they get up at the same time that they used to, that they actually get dressed, um, that they eat meals at the same regular times that they used to, 
that they exercise at the same regular times that they used to and that they go to sleep at the same regular times that they used to. We should not have loss of routine and loss of schedule due to these changes. And it's, um, that, that would be one of the bigger triggers is, is loss of any of those um, regular routines. Gina DiPietro again. As you just heard, headaches from the COVID-19 virus can disappear after a few days or stretch on for months. It's a new challenge for patients and neurologists. Improved treatments likely will emerge as the medical profession builds more COVID-19 information and then learns from that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Novant Health Healthy Headlines. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review us and subscribe to this and all the Novant Health podcasts. We post new episodes all the time. Most are just 15 minutes. Thank you for listening.